I'm going to read from God's Word. Um, now first from the book of Isaiah, and that's Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 through 6. Isaiah writes, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, the darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look about you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar. Your daughters are carried in the hip. Then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. The wealth on the seas will be brought to you. To you, the riches of the nations will come. Herds and camels will cover your land. Young camels of Midian and Ephraim. Ephra. And all from Sheba will come, bearing gold and incense and proclaiming the praise of the Lord. And then we read from the Gospel, from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, and verse 22 to verse 40. Jesus presented at the temple. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses... Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be considered to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Now moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, 
the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong and was filled with wisdom. The grace of God was on him. Thanks be to God for his word. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we come to your word and we, we marvel on it. And we pray that it has brought wisdom to people down through the ages so it would bring wisdom to us today on this Sunday in this place. Amen. A week after Christmas, Jesus would have been circumcised by the local Bethlehem rabbi. But 40 days later, Joseph and Mary took him the 10-mile trek up to Jerusalem for the traditional ceremony of purification that marked a mother's return to public society. As they approached the bustling outer courts of the temple, Joseph went into the temple traders and spent their last few coins on a pair of pigeons to make the sacrifice. Perhaps Mary looked at the rip-off price, muttered to herself that someone should do something about this den of thieves in the God's house of prayer. Maybe someday someone would. The whole exercise would have been humiliating for them. Two pigeons was what the poor man gave as an offering. It was the least that the law allowed when a child was born. For the birth of her firstborn son, it should have been a lamb. But they couldn't afford a lamb. Joseph, already humiliated by the fact he couldn't even provide a room for his son to be born in, now faced the poverty that everyone would see. And even had those poor shepherds given them a lamb, it was long since sold or eaten. Mary flinched at the whole notion of sacrifice. These two pigeons wrestling in the bag that Joseph held, to think that their, love, their lifeblood would be poured out to make her clean. What did that mean? So they walked through the court of the Gentiles, full of the noise of foreign people praying. And yet these unclean, unformed, uncircumcised people were forbidden to enter the temple court. There was no sacrifice enough that could make them clean. Well, thought Mary, maybe someday 
God's little Messiah might do something about that, but what? She didn't know. As they entered the inner courts, an old man suddenly reached out his grubby hand. Let me see the child, he demanded. Mary's eyes flashed in anger, as any mother's would do. She grabbed her son tightly to her. Joseph barred the way, the way, stretching out a forbidding hand to the stranger. As he saw their fear, the elderly man exclaimed, Oh, please forgive old Simeon. I, I mean no harm to the child. It's just I've been waiting so, so long. And Mary looked at him anew. Her spine began to tingle. And somehow she knew that he knew what she knew. Oh, Joseph, let him see Jesus. And as the old man approached, tears in his eyes, muttering under his breath, Oh, the salvation of Israel, the light to the Gentiles. And he took the child in his arms. And he broke into a half-sobbing prayer. Oh, Master, now let me die in peace. For you promised that my eyes would see your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of everybody, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of Israel. And Mary's heart leapt again. Just as she had done 40 days before when the shepherds came and looked at her baby and said, Christ the Lord. And Simeon? Simeon began to tell the young parents' story. Oh, years ago, God promised me that I would live to see the Messiah. And today, as I was praying again, I opened my eyes and I saw your son I never dreamt the Messiah could be a child. But of course. And as he dried his eyes, he turned to Joseph and said, This child, oh, he will cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel. He'll be opposed. The thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. Then he looked Mary directly in the eyes and said words that she would never forget. Oh, lady, a sword will pierce your soul too. It's always worth pausing with a Bible story, isn't it? Just letting it live. Simeon. A wise old man. We're not told much about him. Just two things. He was righteous. And he was devout. Righteous just means he lived his life for God. It's a word that's used of the prophets of Job and all his suffering. We're not told anything about him. Was he a priest? Was he a prophet? What did he do for a living? Was he a temple official? What were his achievements in life? 
Where is he from? Nothing. But it didn't matter. It certainly didn't matter to Simeon. Only one thing mattered. He wanted to see what God was going to do. And he saw Jesus. He was devout. What that meant, at the very least, was he prayed. He really prayed. He kept praying. He was an old man, so we can tell by that that he'd seen many things in his life because we know the history of that area. He'd seen the last of the old Hasmonean kings who'd ruled over the area. He'd seen the Roman general Pompey strut his stuff and come into the temple just a few years before. He'd watched as the troops of Rome had come in. Then as Herod had seized power 30 years before, he'd seen all of that happen and come, the oppression problems. He'd listened to the pilgrims as they'd come from the whole of the world into Jerusalem year after year with all their stories of all that was going on in the world. He saw all of this and he just kept praying. Kept wanting God to do something, to change things and believing. That close relationship that he had with God through all of it He kept praying, praying for what is called here the consolation of Israel, praying that there would be good news that would make the people happy, that would make the people rejoice that their God was there. Now, here's the thing. Simeon and old Anna that we meet a few verses later, she's 84. In fact, Depending how the text is read, she's either 84 or she had lived for 84 years after she had been widowed, which would make her nearly 100. Simeon and old Anna. The thing with Simeon and old Anna, though, is that you've met them, haven't you? You know those people? There's some in every congregation, and there's certainly some in this congregation, those older people. They've been through so much. They've seen so much. They could tell you a thousand stories of the decades that we only read in a history book. They've suffered so much quite often. But they've kept praying. They've prayed for you. They've prayed for the church. They've just kept praying. Oh, Each one that you know will have achieved different things in their lives, but in a sense, those things haven't mattered. What struck you about them is their godliness and their prayerfulness. And they've kept praying, and we know them. They are in this church. They are in every congregation. They have never despaired through the whole thing. They have just kept hoping. I know as a minister, when I visited them, they are the people who have not drained me, but have filled me, even as I'm aware of their suffering and their fragility. I'm not going to give them names because you know who they are, don't you? They walk among us. They encourage us. They say to the young, newly married couple with the baby all the things that they need to hear to be encouraged. They pray for the youngsters and they look to a future in hope, a future that they will almost certainly not see. 
I love how Luke tells the story in the early chapters because he brings together the whole gambit of God's people, rural and urban, rich and poor, a young couple, Mary and Joseph with nothing, two old establishment priests, Zechariah and Elizabeth, who have been there in the center of things for so long, a bunch of workmen on the hills, plying their trade, looking after their sheep, some philosophers that have come a long journey. It's God's people, isn't it? In all their different ways, but all of them together with a part to play because each of them sees a little bit about Jesus, the saints that have touched God's heart. But it is somehow those that pray that bring God's heart. Oh, may your servant depart in peace, said Simeon, now that I've seen it. The Latin word that begins that is dumitis, if you had it in Latin in the old translations. It means something along the lines of, now may I go. Become one of the prayers of the church. May your servant depart in peace. It's often used in funeral services or even just at the close of the day. May I die in peace. Shalom. May I die with content. May I have that peace. It's the peace that the angels sang of. Peace on earth, goodwill to all men and women. Simeon had found it. It's Jesus. See, here is the wisdom of this man. His achievements, as I said, we don't know. His life, we don't know, but it doesn't matter because he has known what true peace is, the peace that cannot be taken away. It is Jesus. All my hope on God is founded. When you have that, the rest doesn't matter. Paul, in fact, talked about all the stuff he had worked for, his degrees, his heritage, his zeal for the law, he said it's garbage. Utter dung. Because what matters is Jesus. See, here's the thing about peace. Most of us don't have much of it in our lives. We spend most of our lives agitated, not at peace at all. We are worried. And we're always worried about what we need to do Lists, lists, and more lists. Not so much the lists of the things that we've ticked off that we've done, is the lists of the things that we've still to do, or the lists of the things that we sort of know we'll never get done. And all the agitation that they bring. The to-do list, and the list of regrets. The things I need to fix, that I need to tidy, that I need to sort, that I need to say, that I need to plan, that I need to achieve, that drive me all the time. The bucket list, which if I can't take it off, I can't die in peace, because I'll die a failure. As the new year begins, some of us will have written another list, won't we, of the new year's resolutions, the things that we want to achieve in 2022 
the same ones probably we tried to achieve in 2021 and 2020 and 1986. We still haven't. To do this, to lose that, to learn this, to do that, to go there. The fear always that we will die with regrets because we have not managed to achieve it all. It crushes us. Now, may your servant be dismissed in peace, says Simeon. Not because of what he has achieved or what he has done, because the Bible actually tells us that what he had done was insignificant, whatever it was. The peace came from a confidence. It's all about Christ. That's what he knew. And that's what's offered to us in the gospel. The peace that says this. He has come that you may know that you are loved. That if you know him and trust him, that you are forgiven, that you are held, that you are secure, that your life is buried with him and rises again in him. That there is no list of who's naughty and nice, ticked off to see if you measure up. But the salvation is given for you. That's Simeon. St. Cyprian, writing 15, 16, 1700 years ago, wrote this. Simeon bears witness that the servants of God of peace are free and tranquil when withdrawn from the whirlwinds of the world, they reach the port of the eternal love and pass through the door of death to immortality. It's utter security. Simeon there testifies to this young couple who will go through so much and suffer so much, he doesn't tell them it will be a bed of roses. But he says, this is peace. But I have seen a little bit of what you have been given in your arms. But there's more. For Simeon doesn't just simply say that Jesus has come, that Jesus is there, that we might have peace and go to heaven and not worry about anything else. But rather he says God is doing even more than that. For this is a salvation, says Simeon, prepared in the sight of all nations, a light to the Gentiles and the glory to my people Israel. What does that mean? That means that this message of good news that once was only for some people, that once was only for the godly who could enter in, is now for everybody. That is the news. God is transforming the whole of creation, rich and poor. He is doing it. He is bringing the salvation of which Mary had already sung when he would turn the social order on its head, lift up the low and bring down the mighty. The world transformed. But not just the world transformed. The glory to my people Israel. What did that mean? It meant this. Israel had been given a purpose right from the beginning when Abraham was called. Not only would God bless them, but they would be a blessing to all. That was being fulfilled. 
That meant not only was God offering salvation to the whole of the nations, he was allowing God's people to fulfill the purpose that they had been given. That from them would come salvation for all. So for us, as Christians today, it's not just the peace that we are offered that is secure, but it's the sense of being caught up in this plan of God for the redemption of the whole world that gives us the purpose and the meaning of what our church, what our work is all about. Caught up in the nation, that, in the mission that Jesus has to redeem the whole of the world in his name. This is our purpose our meaning, our hope for the world. Revelation. It means this, though. We are not to go out there selling the church, protecting the church, recruiting for the church, extolling the church, trying to persuade people that church is the solution It is with Simeon that we are to gaze on what salvation really is. And it is Jesus. We are to proclaim Jesus. We are to have a peace that comes from Jesus. We are to offer to the world Jesus, the purpose and the fulfillment of all life. As we go forward as a church, as a community, The question is not, will we be successful? The question is that, will we find a satisfaction in our true purpose? Which is to know we are held by the Lord and to share his love in all we do and say and live. For that is the peace that is offered to the world. Simeon knows it. Nothing else will matter. All else is nonsense. This is the epiphany that is offered to the world. Amen.